Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 196 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojukri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Uh, well, tonight we're here to wrap up and put a bow on the 2022 CFL season just in time for the holidays. The Grey Cup was played uh, last weekend, or I guess just over a week ago today. Uh, the season has ended, and we're here to talk about it all. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the surprising, the disappointing, and much more here tonight. And to do so, we've got uh, most of our panel here this evening. Uh, I'm Ryan Coop, joined first of all by the great Michael Garrell. Mike how you doing tonight? Oh, we don't. Not too bad. Uh, just made the habit of hitting the wrong button from time to time. Yeah, I asked Mike how he was doing, and he promptly exited the studio. So, uh, good start to the night tonight. Uh, I hope it gets better from here, buddy. Uh, but, yeah, I know. Excited to have you here, Mike, uh, as we wrap up the season here this evening and uh, or the season here this evening and joining us here as usual as well as the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, boys. Ready to put the cherry on top to this season. So let's get at it. Let's do it. Uh, unfortunately, Adam is under the weather tonight, wasn't able to make it. We were hoping to get the whole panel here together uh, to round the season, but uh, Adam did send his some of his thoughts and we'll read his thoughts as we go through the different segments here this evening as well. We'll also take your comments. We'll take your questions throughout the night in our live chat. Uh, out at GameTimeTV.ca or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Uh, we'd also like to take a moment to thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast, which is BetStamp. BetStamp is a free app that shows you all the different odds across many different sports books to help you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers. And through their verified bet tracking feature, you get the guarantee that the odds are legitimate. Check out the commission-free BetStamp marketplace to see picks others have made and use the bet link page within the app to link your sports book accounts and easily track your wagers as you make them. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using Betstamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly. And, you know, final show here this evening. I just want to take a quick moment to thank Betstamp for uh, joining on the show here as a sponsor uh, for this season for us. Uh, you know, they, they were able to help us uh, upgrade some of our equipment, uh, pay some of the hosting costs along the way. So we're very thankful for the partnership. Uh, and we hope uh, you guys have enjoyed, uh, if any of you have used the product, you've enjoyed it as well uh, as we have using it throughout the season here. So uh, thank you to Betstamp for sponsoring the podcast this year. All right, guys, let's get into our first segment here of the evening. And, uh, well, what better way to start things off? Uh, I, I think let's start things off on a positive note here uh, to round out the season. And let's talk positive takeaways from the 2022 CFL season. Uh, we're going to go through, again, some of the ups and the downs of this year. Not going to go too far into the weeds, I think, on each of the points. You know, it's more general general thoughts, general topics. Maybe we spin off uh, off-season episodes along the way. But, Mike, you seem to usually be a, a pillar of positivity 
so uh, well, you go first here for us. What's your major positive takeaway from the 2022 season? Well, I hate to steal the thunder right off the hop here, but uh, one of the things that jumps out immediately seems to be, and again, not all the numbers are in or have been, <laughs> excuse me, or have been crunched, but what seems to me to be an extremely encouraging sign, offense seems to be up in the lead again after a couple of down seasons. Um, and, and to me here, it sounds like we had a fairly high number of games as well decided in the last three minutes, which is very, very important for the health of the CFL overall, just from an offensive standpoint, lots of games in the last three minutes, offense appears to be on the upswing. I can't wait to see what the final numbers are, but at least from watching a lot of the games this year, we didn't really have a lot of low scoring defensive uh, title wars, so to say. We had fairly offensive games, which is good. I, I think the CFL needs a game that's catered to to offenses a little bit more. Um, again, I'm waiting to see what kind of effect the rule changes have had. But I, again, I, I like where we're heading with the offensive part of the CFL game. Yeah, that's what Adam had said as well. He sent in his uh, positive takeaway was that scoring was up this year. I was trying to find the article before the podcast because this was also a positive for me too. Uh, there was an article came out midway through the season, or maybe it was just a CFL graphic on their social media. Of Yeah, most offensive categories actually being boosted up from last season. So I don't know if it was, you know, a full year of play, full year of practice, you know, training camps, which we didn't get last season, some of the rule changes. I don't know what went into it, but uh, it seemed like offense was a little bit more up on board this season. Uh, Trey, what about you? What are you what are you taking away positively from this season? nobody died on the field i don't know um <laughs> you know it was a good year i'll just say that like you know with with all the with all the craziness that kind of did happen there was no real standouts to me you know player wise other than maybe nathan rourke and we could talk about that a great detail but i think it just for everything to get the first full season actually done no covid outbreaks really you know nothing like that still talked about like scoring's up, so obviously the time off was good for them. And just, you know, everyone, the players looked like they were having a good time out there. Again, having a full 18-game schedule, not playing in December, having a full training camp. And I think padded practices were back this year too, I believe, in the CBA. And, you know, there's no issues with that. I think I saw a report saying there was no injuries, their head injuries suffered during those times. And can we even was there many concussions at all this year? Like, I know there was a couple spotters, but... Again, you know, those are big positives in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's something that this season, I, you know, that was really my positive takeaway also is go back to preseason. How many episodes in a row did we talk ins and outs of the CBA deal? And, uh, you know, oh, back to the drawing board with negotiations. Oh, the season's not going to start on time. Oh, we're not going to play a season at all this year. Oh, the, the league's going to die. Uh, there was a lot of negativity coming into the year this year. And I think a lot of the things that actually came out of that CBA are bright spots. Uh, you know, those rule, the rule changes, we talked about scoring being up. Do you guys even notice the rule changes like the field ones really this year? Do you guys notice the hash marks making a difference? Did you notice any of the penalties really impacting things much? 
No, no, you would think actually kicking was pretty awful for having it supposed to be easier with the hash marks, right? You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I noticed the starting position because right now you start at the 40 now after a field goal. That I think was big. That extra five yards and it made you maybe think about punting over field goals at times. And with the how much field goals was missed, right? I think that one, you know, could play into it. Mike, what about you? Well, even in the last three minutes there, right, where, you, where now you have to kick the ball off instead of taking it at the 35 after a field goal, yes, it's extra work. But, again, one of those small little rules that I think makes a big difference in game flow and all of that kind of stuff. So, all in all, I've had a really good year. Uh, even defenses, like we just talked about defenses for a minute. Uh, they really adapted well, I thought, to the, to the rule changes. Um, you know, I, I thought years ago the CFL would open a can of worms when it decided to make pass interference re- re- reviewable. It, it really hasn't been that. There's, you know, there's your, there's your, there's your, um, there's your, there's your, uh, Adjustment period, if you want to call it that. Sorry, the word just escaped me there for a minute. But all in all, I didn't really notice anything glaring. Uh, I thought the defenses really adjusted well. And, you know, the defenses, to their credit, were good too. As much as we say offense is up, defenses are up too. And I I just want to see, again, Poor research on my part, but again, turnovers that were forced by defenses, which led to scores, I think was an appropriate higher number this year. So, and as far as the hash mark goal, I'll be honest, I think I sat here on the show right after the rule changes were made and went, you moved the hash marks? Really? End of the year, it didn't really bother me. So, tells me that regardless of what people think about the CFL, there's clearly some thought and clearly some research that went into the a lot of these rule changes because the ones I thought I would hate ended up actually being okay. So let's see what they come up with next year. And maybe me, personally, will be willing to give them more benefit of a doubt when they make the suggestion instead of being so quick to shoot everything down. Yeah, I don't even know if I noticed the hash marks being different, honestly, this year until like preparing for this podcast when I was like, oh, yeah, remember that changed? Um, They were a lot of subtle things they did in the CBA. And I'm talking both on and off the field as a positive to me, like the guaranteed contracts in the CFL. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on tonight. Um, But we started seeing some guys, you know, Taylor Cornelius, Jake Mayer, for example, signing these three-year contracts with some guaranteed money in there, which, you know, we're starting to see more and more players signing these longer-term contracts with their teams, it appears. So that's something that I take as a positive as somebody who, you know, believes that's key for marketing, you know, keeping guys around in the same cities. And I think one positive we've talked about all season long that I think we'd all agree with should be up here is the ownership groups for a couple of these teams having huge impacts this year, right? Like Victor Cooey and Edmonton, you know, uh, good old Gary Stern over in Montreal, Amar Doman over in BC. Like these guys, 
have taken over their teams and I thought made really positive impacts. You know, they did great work to get more people in the stands and all the talk around CFL attendance is always, oh, attendance is going down. There's a concern. Nobody wants to come to the games anymore. Well, these guys are proving that if you put in the hard work, you can find a way to draw people back into the stands. There's still a ton of work to do on that, but I think there are steps in the positive directions here on that. Uh, what do you guys think, Trey? Well, I'll just say one thing about the ticket. I understand why we're a ticket-driven league, but the idea is we want to get to a point where the, the stadium could be half full and it doesn't matter because the TV ratings are like, we want to be like, you know, that's the goal, isn't it? To be like the NFL. Buffalo moves the game to Detroit. They wouldn't have cared if nobody was there. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're making millions off the TV deal. That game's happening because of TV, not because of ticket sales, right? And I think that's the way we want to go. So it's interesting. It seems like our TV ratings are always fairly well. We're always kind of beating the other things that are on TV at the same time. But um, yeah, the CBA was a sticky one for me. As you know, we talked about how many episodes of that before the season and, you know, no big drawbacks yet out of it. And what was it, five years they could opt out or was it the full seven? I think the players had a choice after five. Five? Well, well, let's see what happens in five or four years from now if the players will take two more years or will they opt out early. And I think this is key times right now, especially if, you know, you're still eyeing a 10th team, if whatever the CFL 2.0, even if it's not gain any significant revenue or and if you're still whatever genius sport whether and hey espn we we, we have not seen some where we saw some things about there's potentially american money coming in for tv do the players say hey i want that you know in five years or four years from now so a lot of things going on but yeah all in all i I don't i mean ambrosi isn't the best commissioner but he most certainly isn't the worst right so he is chugging along so i'm i'm okay with that and a lot of the things he gets negative uh, attention for aren't even things he has a say in, right? Like he's the he's the public scapegoat for a lot of the decisions made. Just really I'll still quickly. put him. I'll put him above Batman every day. I'll put him above <laughs> Batman. Really quick, guys. Nice. I'm I'm very curious because there was a note that came out. Uh, maybe it was in Great Top Week or la- or last week on Tuesday about this new American. TV deal, how there's a, a, a bigger network component and a bigger streaming component. I, I wonder if there's a way here for the CFL. I know this kind of has nothing to do with positive takeaways, but kind of building on Trey's point, I wonder if we ever get to a point where what the CFL has with, with its international streaming, where people can buy each individual game, uh, you know, outside of the U.S. and outside of Canada, but like around the world, is if that's something that the CFL would consider doing. I know the NFL has NFL Plus or whatever it's called, and I'm wondering if the CFL could kind of launch off of that, which would give viewers the option to buy, you know, specific games instead of monthly passes and all that kind of stuff. And then you have this CFL Plus where it's old games. Because I don't know about you, but during Great Top Week, I enjoyed watching those old Great Top games. There were a lot of memories between flooding back about games that I watched. But again, you know, you, Rome wasn't fit. Rome wasn't built in the night, nor was Rome fit in the night. They had bigger issues to start. 
uh, this offseason and last offseason, so I get it. I think this will be, fingers crossed, one of the more normal business offseasons that the CFL's had in quite some time. I sure to God hope so. I think we can agree. Randy Ambrosi has not had a normal business offseason, really, in his time as commissioner. And I think that's where this unfair flat seems to come from. On the uh, on the uh, great old Grey Cup games you were mentioning, I believe there's an online portal where you can actually go back and watch a bunch of the old Grey Cup yeah, games. That, so. that, that's where I got the original idea from. Because I'll tell you what, I was I was working at home one day, and PSN had all the Grey Cups from like 2009, followed by 2010, 11, 12, etc., etc., etc. I had that loop on all day long, and man, did those bring back some great memories, and I had forgotten actually how great some of those great cups were, despite what records the teams had. Hello, kind of case in point this year. But <laughs> well, let's not bring that back up again here, Mike. I, I know it's not international, but my point is, does not Bell own Crave? Like, can you not literally, you know what I mean? Like, Bell and you... Because I was thinking, like, honestly, TSN um, on demand's the worst too. The buffering, I've never had it oh, the yeah. worst. Like, it's the worst. So, but you, can you not incorporate a live stream onto Crave? Well, and then it saves there. And like Mike said, like Crave, you got hundreds of stuff on there already. Then it's in, it's an already developed platform. And and like Amazon, Amazon has these buy on packages all the time, and they're annoying. But like, hey, four ninety nine. So does Crave four ninety nine extra. You get HBO Plus or Max. So four ninety nine extra, you get CFL plus, and you get all these games live. You get all that. I know it's not international, but I think someone's at ESPN plus. You know, if ESPN can, uh, keeps the deal for the CFL, I'm sure they can do something on ESPN. Like, there's all these established things. I don't know if the CFL needs to go out of their way to create one. Yeah, and I don't think they're big enough. Obviously, I'm surprised like other leagues are big enough to do that because their off season's so quiet. You know, but whatever. The CFL, I think. I think they got, and again, people say, well, their CTV's got an app, I'm sure, you know, CBC's got an app. I'm sure there's some, uh, Sportsnet's app is way better than TSN's, right? So I'm sure there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, a couple of comments in the chat. CFL should be on Amazon Prime TV or ESPN Plus or games on CFL YouTube. Yeah, you can't tell me with how boring a bunch of the Thursday night NFL games have been this year that, uh, you know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos can't, uh, can't go and pay for some prime entertainment from the CFL here and get his money's worth a lot more than he does spending on the NFL games that seem to happen on Thursday nights. I heard he's trying to buy the Seahawks too. Oh, great. So, Uh, you know, (laughs) wonderful. This kind of leads into our next topic here, which is areas of improvement. And we talked about the good. Let's talk a little bit about the bad here. And, and, you know, I'm going to jump in uh, here first because I think what we've been talking about kind of ties into what my real area of improvement for the league is. And that's just the digital and the online presence. This is something that as somebody who works in the tech industry has driven me insane for a number of years and still continues to. And I've talked about these things a little bit before, but uh, if you go to your you know app store on your phone right now and try to download the CFL app, you can't because there is none. They used to have one. Uh, they took it down from the app store because it wasn't working properly. You know, your major sports league, how many other major sports leagues don't have a mobile app, right? 
Uh, it comes into, you know, the social media presence, getting out there on more and more social media platforms. Uh, you know, arguably, I would say the biggest online advertiser for the CFL is the r slash CFL subreddit, which has no direct affiliation with the league whatsoever. I mean, I know one of the guys who runs it, I think, does work with the Elks now, but you know, it's fans marketing the league online, the CFL. I've seen, you know, here and there guys, ju- you know, teams and, and staff jump in on these things. But there's more social media presence that can be done. You know, the online experience, even enhancing the fantasy games. Uh, I mean, you know, as somebody who's been playing NFL fantasy this year, the head-to-head matchups where you can see projected point totals and chances of winning a matchup as you go along. Like, it's small things like that that I think could enhance that whole experience, draw a bunch of other people in uh, and and a lot of that stuff. And just, and that kind of ties into, you know, maybe it's the whole genius sports deal that we were told big things about coming into the season and then saw nothing about. And apparently they've been working on that American deal we were just talking about uh, potentially with getting some, you know, American viewership. But this was to, said to be a you know a deal that was going to revamp the entire basically stats and data experience with the CFL and as somebody who crunched the fantasy numbers every week using a tool that uses the, that I wrote that uses the CFL's API this season that info is not super easily accessible and able to use for projects like that it's hard to work with so yeah, bit of a rant there, but long and short of it is I think there are a ton of different things the CFL should invest more time, more resources into the online experience because there's a lot of different areas they could go and improve things there. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, what do you have uh, for areas of improvement, Trey? No, I guess pretty much what you said. I'll go a little bit more the social media route. I don't know um, if you follow it, but I follow the FIFA World Cup and it's like they tweet thousand of times every goal every penalty everything and like i don't understand you literally can pay a kid whatever minimum wage is 12 dollars, 13 dollars an hour and say hey kid tweet what you see like you know what i mean like as long as the kid's got a b in english and knows how to spell you're pretty good right like it's it's not that hard you know and and god i want i want one of those little assistance for when the horse racing season starts up because i can't do it all i'll pay a kid 12 dollars an hour just just Tweet, tweet the number of the horse that wins. That's all you need. And that's literally all you need to do. Number 15 with the touchdown. Like, even if you don't want to do the name, like, I know it's a little grubby, but you know what I mean? Get your program, number 15, with a catch, whoever that is. Keep it going. It's super simple. Yeah, the fans should not be the main the main employees of the for promoting. And, you know, then it seems like the people the CFL do have are been having issues with the playoff graphic, the all-star things, you know. Again, I don't understand. Like I accidents happen. I get that. But yeah, like again, it's it's and I don't know. It's it's hard to be positive in some of these aspects. This is if we want to brag, oh, 110 years of history. I feel like a league of 110 years of history should have it a little bit put together better at times. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because to be honest with you, with the time change, I haven't watched a lot of the World Cup. Granted, I've watched the Canada games, but with a lot of the games going on at like four four in the morning here, and it being in the middle of the workday, I really only catch, you know, 
the games that I decide to watch every now and then. But generally, I t- and just to go along with what uh, Trey was saying, generally I can get a pretty good idea of what was happening with um, the World Cup games in about four or five tweets or pictures that are associated with the game to get me that idea of, okay, you know what, I was sleeping at 4.30 this morning, but based on these five tweets, I think it might be worth re-watching at some point, right? And to be able to get an idea of what's going on using something as simple as Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want to call it, uh, would go a long way now. One interesting note, and again, I think a lot of people can listen and learn to what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did when they came into the NHL. They have one of the most populated Twitter following, social media following, uh, all time. Well, not all time, but pretty good amongst accounts that have been around for a lot longer than they have. And they made it exciting with graphics and pictures and gifs and to get people excited. And it's not necessarily about hockey, but it's enough to annoy me as a diehard fan, but draws the casual in that's browsing on Twitter and gets the attention of the Golden Knights Twitter account, gets my attention right away. Oh, I'm going to follow them because they have a lot of cool content. And following cool content, typically you become a fan of that team. And that's just one way to do it in today's generation. People want short and sweet to the point. 100 characters or less usually does the trick. And and to their credit, I think a lot of the teams have pretty good social media teams. Like there are certain teams that bomb. have done excellent job this season. Like yeah, you look at the Bombers and their vanilla ice cream stuff this season. After the words from Marcus Sales, like there was, and, and there's so many other examples out there. Obviously, I mean the BC Lions, for example, heck of a video team. You know, content creation team out there uh, did a lot of great work this year. Uh, yeah, I think there is, but I think, uh, from the league as a whole, there's more online, uh, stuff you can do. I mean, look no further than Adam had mentioned in our group chat. Yeah. The all-star gaff where they uh, announced the wrong list of all, all stars originally and had to go out and correct it. Like that is just terrible for a league that's trying not to make itself, uh, you know, trying to lose the Bush league moniker, or there was the one that came out right after great cup week where, Grey Cup ends Sunday night, and it's, what, Monday or Tuesday, and the Argos website still has no notion whatsoever that the team has won the Grey Cup. And I know I know the team's out celebrating and uh, and things like that, but you can't tell me you can't get a quick bet graphic and quick banner out there on the website to at least, you know, celebrate that there. So those are some I think we're all on the same page of just better online digital experience here for the CFL. But uh, Adam uh, Adam jumped here into the chat with one other one here. Uh, you know, he's not able to make it here, but he's still joining us in the chat. Can we stop cutting the development of the league in training and coaching and get rid of the coaches cap? It's holding teams hostage. Trey, I'll let you speak on this one here. Uh, I, I know you're a big advocate of getting rid of that. It's the worst. Like, I'm... <sighs> 
when I look at professional sports, I'm all for a soft cap and everything. You look, people always want to argue like, oh, baseball with the soft cap, the same teams pay 300 million. They don't always win. Like the Dodgers don't win every year. The Yankees don't win every year. There's exceptions. Houston's getting there, but Houston bangs on garbage cans. So it's different, right? Not salary related. Um, I, 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 as a player and the coach, I don't think you should have these things that handcuff teams. If you want to keep a soft cap for players, fine. I'm all for that and not have a complete free market, but coaching cap, like you, you can't do anything. I want to like, what's Ottawa going to do? Ottawa, like Ottawa, how much, like if Lapa was on the books for a few years, you know, you don't know how that's going to go. They might have to hire, you know, or promote from within. And that might not be the best direction. Maybe it is. Who knows? But like, you gotta do something. Like, I, I'm all for capitalism, man. If you have the money, go spend it. If Gary Stern wants to say, "Hey, I'll drop a million on a coach and let's get things going," I'm all for it because that's gonna do nothing but promote the league, right? Like, I'm all for it if the league says, "Ah, we're gonna spend a couple million on Nathan Rourke to keep him here." I'm all for that. You know, I don't care. It, I don't think BC is gonna have an unfair advantage if they kind of start, you know laxing the rules to keep nathan rourke around you know like especially if you made it maybe more fair like okay every team can have one player you can't just give it to nathan rourke necessarily but there's things you can do that doesn't completely let it go off the rails and yeah the coaching cap that's a whoever came up with that one i hope they're not a i hope they're a fight and not a part of the league anymore well that's a big thing that i think uh you know first of all the thing you mentioned you know paying a player like million dollars and wasn't that a thing back in like the 90s like rocket ishmael was the first one uh who who got uh you know uh got that deal there and nhl had it wha had it and cfl had we salary caps are pretty new when it comes to sports we feel like they've been around but they're not right so again i'm all for the american capitalism man europe has that soccer has no cap and like you know the fans of the little team still go out and support their team even though they know man you man man city and liverpool and all those teams are going to win hey the little teams too they have a shot like you know moneyball there's literally a movie about it right you know it i don't know i'm just all for capitalism man when it comes especially for sports like the sports is the most capitalist thing i think there is because we're paying millions of dollars for something that relatively doesn't matter like, you know what I mean? We're not putting millions of dollars into healthcare here. We're putting million dollars into these guys' pockets so they can have Giselle Brady as their wife and fly off on their yacht, right? That's what we're doing. I, I think you got to level it across the board, right? Like, I don't know. Mike, what do you think? Well, I just want to say something, Mr. Colbert, for a minute. For a We literally disagreed on every little thing. Ray Top Knight, I actually agree with you. And you know what? You sold me on removing this coach's cap. Well done. Congrats to you. Um, I, I understand why it's in there. I just don't believe it serves its purpose. I understand you're trying to keep the big guy reeled in and to have a little guy to be competitive. But to me, there's no need for a coaching cap if it means going to get out and get quality coaches so that we have a quality game. Okay, that's something I can certainly work with. 
Ask but it's actually question? hindering, I think, the lower down teams from getting better to an extent because, you know, my take on this is Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, I think there's a larger chance they're not back next season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders if there's no coaches cap. I think part of it is if you're letting those guys go, they're still staying on the books for one more season and you got to go hire in a new GM and a new coach you're probably only going to be able to afford one guy to do both jobs and you can't necessarily find somebody out there who's going to be suitable for that. So by, you know, disincentivizing teams from letting a coach go, if it's just not working out for a team, you're kind of handicapping him or you're, you're kind of capping their abilities to improve here. And I was going to ask you guys, do you, do you think the top end team is really that far back from the, like the small, like Mike said, the smaller fish and the big fish in the CFL, is there that big of a difference between the teams? Like, okay, MLSE could go out and drop millions on a coach, but are they, you know, and other than that, what team's going to go out and have the mark, like have the money to do something crazy like that? Yeah, like, you know I know, I mean? like, I, I, I'm more into the, what Adam just said here, what drives me nuts is that it affects all of football ops. You can't hire scouts, assistant coaches, etc., to build your team to be their best. I, I think we can all agree here, as it's already been stated tonight, if there's no coaches cap, I really don't believe that one, Jeremy Alday's bat, two, Craig Dickinson's bat. I think you have to swallow because you know that they're coming off your butts next year. And hey, if by odd chance they manage to turn this around like they say they're going to, right? So I I don't know because by that same token, the coach's cap is also taking away opportunities because a coach could just as quickly be gone and not being able to develop himself. You know what I mean? So I, I see it both ways. But I, I wonder if there's a workaround, but yes, you have a cap, but these are the rules to kind of. Well, it, we're going to talk about later, maybe about the, because I think uh, spring league football might come up. If, if you can't hire a guy right now, is he going to wait a year to come next year when your books are open? No, he's going to go coach for the rock, right? If he has an opportunity yeah. or the, you know what I mean? So, because we're worrying about player potential talent, you know, coaching talent, there's, 300 colleges in the states if not more right there's how many high school programs there's now going to be two spring leagues in an nfl right you know there's so many other opportunities and some of those colleges i'm sure they could pay them equally if not more than they do up here right depending on the talent of guy right so oh wasn't it the alabama alabama coach makes filthy money right so you know what i mean it's it's there's so many opportunities why would you stay in canada for a year i don't know it's i don't like caps at all but yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. Let's get rid of the coaches cap. Uh, that's definite area of improvement for next year. Uh, one more comment here on areas of improvement. Brandon, our, our friend of the show, Brandon Sanders in the chat. Uh, Got to have a CFL app and fantasy app for the league to grow. Yeah, uh, CFL executives, if any of you are listening uh, and want to pay me a pretty penny to help develop this in my spare time, I am a software developer, uh, you just reach out to me on Twitter. Um, I probably shouldn't take that on. My life is as bu- is busy enough as it is now already, but, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, Ryan, I'll, Ryan, you and I both know that money talks. 
<laughs> Somebody drops a big shot, I would at least hope that you would listen. In, in the very limited, if, if they're okay with it taking a while, because my amount of spare time is uh, smaller than I can hold in my hand. Um, yeah, that, then we'll talk. But uh, yeah. no, no, I want there to be a CFL online experience uh, and, and a CFL app and a CFL fantasy app, like we were talking about earlier. And uh, it probably won't be me, obviously, developing it, but I hope there is somebody out there who gets the chance to do so. Uh, well, let's move on to our next topic here, which is uh, back in the positive direction. Best surprises of the year. These, this could be guys you didn't expect to have big seasons necessarily that uh, surprised you teams that did better than you expected things from the league as a whole. Let's start with you here, Trey. Uh, what was your big, uh, best surprise of this year? I got two. The first one I kind of mentioned earlier that we went all year and no COVID crap. You know what I mean? Like there was no idiot that was unvaxxed that started some locker room breakout. There was nothing. That's a big surprise. I thought week three league shutting down or something stupid. I kind of always have that in the back of my head. I think um, we had that one riders game that got postponed because of an outbreak. Oh, did we? But, that, but that was pretty, pretty small still. Right. That was right. this year, wasn't it? Was it? Maybe. Okay. Fair enough. But of course it has to be Saskatchewan, right? So Saskatchewan has to always rain on my parade. Uh, but the second thing unreal uh, showed me the money. That guy's unreal. Whatever NFL team can get him, God bless you. And I'll I'll watch every Sunday, uh, whatever he goes to. Short and sweet. Mike, uh, what about you? Yeah, piggybacking on what you said, uh, but I'm going to go completely opposite direction. The kit returners. They were awesome this year. Mario Alford, I think, had a punt return, kit return, midfield return all this season. To do that with two different teams, the CFL needs dynamic players like the Mario Alford to flip the field. To be honest, I don't think the CFL does enough to generate the excitement of some special teams touchdowns. Um, to be honest, I think there's a couple holding calls, but they could lapse a little bit to open up the game to be more exciting. But one of my surprises is, too, just the ability on special teams to flip the field out of nothing, basically. Um, you know, as much as I'm an offensive guy, as much as I'm a defensive guy, I'm also a big proponent of special teams. And and I believe there is some merit to having a Mario Alford. And if all nine teams had it, Boy, oh boy, you would call it a scoring shootout on grass. And you'd have all the arena lead scores, like 66-62, you know, those types of games. But you know what? Special teams goes a long way. As much flat as some of the kicking took, I think the punt returners, missed field goal returners, and the kit returners did a great job. But one thing about the CFL that I would recommend Find a way to tweak the rules to make it more friendly to allow those electrifying returns. Because we are talking about an NFL player here who set a record over Devin Hester in Cordell Patterson. We're also talking about a recent uh, 125-yard kick return somewhere. I can't remember quite where, but the guy took the 
ball from basically the corner of the end zone and ran all the way down the field. Made special teams more open. It is good right now, but let's turn this into a scoring shootout on grass. And then the big defensive plays also can come in and be very, very good from time to time. So, all in all, best surprise to me with the special teams, particularly on the tip-top and the punt returns this year. Biggest, best surprise for me this season was the BC Lions strategy of banking their entire season on a guy who had two to three starts in Nathan Rourke and it paying off big time for them. Uh, anybody who, who knows me super well knows that strategy games are, are my genre, right? Uh, like big, big strategy board game fan. Uh, I watch a lot of reality TV shows. I could care less about the competitions and the challenges in those shows. I watch them for the strategy. I play fantasy football because I love the strategy of it. This was one of the most unique GM strategies I think I have seen in the CFL in the past decade to not spend big at quarterback. You spend what? Maybe $175,000 on Nathan Rourke this season and took a chance on that, spent up big at wide receiver, spent up uh, at other positions, overhauled the entire defense. And it paid off. And it's not going to pay off for everybody because uh, not everybody's going to find a guy like Nathan Rourke. But it was an absolutely uh, massive payoff for them. And I kept saying preseason, either this is going to blow up in their faces and they're going to finish last in the league or they're going to go on to win the Grey Cup. They didn't either, but they were a lot closer to the Grey Cup category. So uh, I, I thought it was an intriguing play. I would I was high on Rourke coming into the year. I did pick him in our fantasy draft, but I didn't see it playing out as well as it did. So uh, definitely a huge happy surprise there to see uh, see that paying off. And I really wonder how that's going to affect teams come, going forward. Uh, you know, uh, whether, whether it comes to drafting guys, like Brandon in the chat says, Curtis Rourke season coming soon enough. I know he's got the injury right now, which sucks. Uh, but that's a big thing. Uh, our team's going to draft more Canadian quarterbacks. Our team's going to take a chance on a cheaper quarterback going forward. Big strategy change this year. Exciting strategy change. Want to see more of it going forward. That's my biggest happy, uh, positive surprise of this season. And Adam, uh, also kind of stuck with the quarterbacks where he said the emergence of new QBs in general, you know, bit of a changing of the guard, Jake Mayer taking over in Calgary, Taylor Cornelius coming onto the scene more this year, Rourke, Chad Kelly, uh, saw a little bit of him, a little more in the great cup and maybe has more of a role next year. Uh, you want to weigh in on that one, Trey, a little bit, uh, the, the emergence of new quarterbacks yeah. in the CFL yeah. this year. And, and, and that's why we have our private talks, man, and why I'm not so high on what the Bombers are going to do, because what do they have, a 35-year-old that paying over half a million? You know, so that's why I get a little worried when we see these guys come in on their rookie contracts, and, you know, that's when you can pay for other guys, right? So, no, it's great to see. Um, I, I However, like a month ago when we, when we were talking about the contracts Mayor and Cornelius has, I still don't believe that they deserve the money they're getting, but... Hey, I guess whatever what it is, but it's good to see. And we're going to talk about is that going to make teams do this? I believe a certain team of uh, Adams just added a Canadian quarterback to their neg list right after a good performance on 
Saturday or Sunday, whichever day it was the game was on. So the Vanier Cup was on. So that might be the strategy. And that's kind of why I'm surprised Edmonton went with Corn over Trey Ford, because Trey Ford still might have a year or two of rookie contract, right? So it'll be interesting to see what other teams are going to do and with the quarterback carousel we're going to have this year, right? If uh, do guys like Fajardo maybe get a home if some teams rather go another way and Dane uh, Dane Evans was moving out of his home in Hamilton, I heard this week. So that's, you know, things like that. You never know what's going on, right? Yeah, it was kind of crazy that the news just coming out uh, in the last day or two that Mason Nyhus, uh, Saskatchewan Huskies quarterback, getting added to the negotiation list for the Riders because yeah, we talked him up as, uh, you know, maybe that next time type of Nathan Rourke quarterback. And uh, I think we had all been talking about, well, how early is he going to get picked in the draft this year? Well, no, he's already kind of technically scooped up by the Riders because he went undrafted last season, which means anybody could add him to the negotiation list. And apparently they did so at the very last moment they were allowed to. So, uh, hey, maybe a good start on the next season there for the Riders. And uh, I would love to see him come in and light up the league. I, I think, like, we know how hyped up I was about Nathan Rourke this season, right? Like, I was, I was more hyped up about Nathan Rourke than my own Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year let's be real 100 percent, and it was because we've never seen something like this before at least in my lifetime and i hope we see more guys come in like nathan rourke did like dalton shown did i don't know the last time i've seen a rookie performance like dalton shown had this year i want to see more big things to come could you imagine a Kurt Warner situation in the CFL? That would be good. You like, run you know, like, my my man. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Some undrafted Canadian, undrafted like Andrew Harris, right? Undrafted Canadian, and how many awards does he have? But that would be nice to see a quarterback do it. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Mike. Any thoughts from you on uh, on the influx of new quarterbacks in the CFL, kind of coming onto the scene this year? Ah, uh, the CFL needs to do. And find a way to try to keep these guys around. It's like we see them in their prime and then they're gone. I'm not talking about one team in particular. And if you get an NFL opportunity, you shouldn't take it. CFL needs to incentivize teams to be able to keep these star quarterbacks around. Because let's be honest, as much as the CFL is a day-driven lead, as much as the CFL, the TV revenue leads, quarterback, the quarterback goes not much further down that list of important items. We've seen it multiple times. We don't need to go here where at the University of Manitoba we had a football team, but before was that Colorado State couldn't find a quarterback, and how did that reflect in their record? Not very good. So the CFL is a quarterback-driven lead, as much as it is a date-driven lead, and as much as it is a TV-driven lead, they need to find a way to keep these quarterbacks throughout their career. Because everybody's talking about, <coughs> excuse me, in the National Football League, and I know it's two different things, but we're talking about a decade of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes games. Whenever the Bills and Chiefs play, CFL needs to find a way to keep these quarterbacks number one on the field, number two on their teams, especially when you're of the Nathan Work type of caliber. To me, there should be an exemption to a certain amount of money 
on your quarterbacks because it is such an important facet of the game to have a really good quarterback. And if it takes a million dollars to keep quarterbacks like David Ward here, and, you know, maybe Bully by Mitchell in their heyday, by all means, you know what? Quarterback is as much, as if I was as much a quarterback-driven lead as it is a D-driven lead, find a way to keep quarterbacks here. Well, these were some uh, real good surprises of the positive nature. Now let's tip the scales again and talk about some of the negative surprises this year. Biggest letdowns, teams, players, uh, anything really that we had high hopes for coming into this year that we're we're not feeling so uh, hot about here at the end of the 2022 season. I think we have to start with Adam's thing here. I mean, uh, we were we were all I, I've been saving his for the end, but I think we would all agree his was probably the biggest letdown of them all, and that's the Saskatchewan. Trey, why do you have a rider's hat? Uh, Adam might have forgotten the hotel room on Sunday, so I, I picked <laughs> up myself a free rider's hat. <laughs> well, this is the biggest plot twist I think of the entire <laughs> podcast season. <laughs> I know my girlfriend, when she saw it in the bag, she's like, you, you touched that? You picked that up? And I was like, yeah, I did. What is happening now? You spend one weekend together. and suddenly You, you, you go to the drink top. You come on a pole game show. You proceed to fight with me for an hour and a half. And now, like, you've completely changed as a person. Can somebody find the real trade Corbett and bring him back, please? That's. Yeah, it's that's okay. That's why I have it the bomber toque in between. I can't let it actually well, touch my hair. Just still in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Somebody bring them back. Oh, yeah. uh, I like Richard's. Uh, yeah, I agree. Richard uh, in the chat says Sask on top of bombers. Like I don't know. I think that's worse than just wearing the rider's hat. Is wearing them both combined. Um, but yeah, let's go back to Adam's big disappointment of the year. He's the riders fan. Although apparently Trey might be too now. I'm, I'm a little confused by this whole situation, to be honest. Um, you know, the Riders hosting the Grey Cup this year, already so much pressure on the franchise to succeed. Double that this year with hosting the Grey Cup. And it uh, just seemed like the, and it seemed coming into the year, there were concerns on the O-line, maybe on the defensive backfield, but that linebacker core, that wide receiver core, bounce back for Cody Fajardo. Like it seemed like on paper, this was a team that could find success this year. And it started out okay for them, but then things went off the rails. There was, there was news every single week. It seemed about something going on with the riders off the field or on the field and the team just stopped performing and ended up missing the playoffs. So yeah, I think we're all in agreement on this one. That Saskatchewan uh, was unfortunately the biggest uh, disappointment of the season. Uh, do you guys disagree on that? That the Riders were the biggest disappointment? Well, I'll I'll take this one step further because I think this ties into my biggest disappointment. Garrett Marino, my biggest disappointment because part two of that conversation, Jeremiah Mazzoli wasn't on the field. Therefore, the Ottawa Red Blocks really, really underperformed. I was high on Ottawa coming into this season. They are a huge letdown to me. And not without their own little situation and everybody knows, because you should just listen to how I feel about it by rewinding about five minutes about my rant about keeping good quarterbacks. 
We see an example right there. QB1 goes down. It's a struggle if you don't have a backup. So that's kind of my letdown, Garrett Marino. And then by extension, his theatrics costing Jeremiah Mazzoli, who I think is one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the CFL the rest of his season on a really unnecessary play. It disappoints me. It disappoints everybody. And, yeah, I, there's not much to be said, but one team, disappointment kind of led. And one player's stupidity on a team that, yeah, didn't do too well, hosting the Great Cup and all that, really led to another team's disappointment. Now, I'm not saying if Jeremiah Mazzoli is on the Red Blacks, you know, they might still miss the playoffs. But tell you what, I like Jeremiah Mazzoli a whole lot more over some of those other options that Ottawa had this year. No disrespect intended. So that's kind of my my biggest letdown this year. Mine was the, mine was the Red Blacks as well. Uh, that I they brought so much talent in the offseason. We looked at them on paper as a team that should have been able to compete certainly with the East and potentially with other, you know, a number of the teams out in the West as well. But what happens on paper doesn't translate out on the field. And it's a story we see season after season. The Red Blacks did it in 2015 when they bought a championship team or a team that went on to the championship, right? Henry Burris and five top tier receivers. They did it then. Since then, I don't know if we've seen it be successful. We've seen Toronto try to do it and sign every free agent possible. We saw BC bring a bunch in a couple seasons ago that uh, didn't, uh, you know, pan out as well. And here, I don't think it did for Ottawa either. And they really didn't gel on the field. And I think part of that may have been, you know, Paul Apolis really struggling in his head coach role. We've talked a lot this year about him needing you know, being better offensive coordinator than he is head coach. And uh, I think the talent was there and it just wasn't gelling the way it could have to. Uh, so yeah, big wet down the red blacks for me so, too. So according to Mike, can I blame uh, Marino for Ottawa not getting the crossover like I wanted? <laughs> that's all on Marino, man. That's So that, that's a push because of uh, Marino. Okay, I like it. <clears throat> what about you for biggest letdowns uh, this year, Trey? Yeah, I think it's the Rough Riders because I thought hmm, I know I had Ottawa making the playoffs, but I did have them in fourth making the playoffs, so it was kind of uh, on par there. Saskatchewan, I think, was uh, the big one for me. You never knew what you were going to get with Edmonton. I'm just trying to think of the teams that kind of were sucky. So yeah, I would have to say Saskatchewan out of the three teams because yeah, Ottawa. I think I can forgive an injury a little bit. Like, you know, when Mazzoli went down, they kind of got behind the eight ball. But what was Saskatchewan's issue? Like, you can't blame it all on one defensive end, right? <laughs> that the whole season went down the toilet because of one guy. But, yeah, I think Saskatch and Saskatchewan's that team where I really think there should be no cap on coaching because, yeah, like we've talked about, what are they going to do next year? It's going to be tight, but we'll see. We'll We'll see. I think letdown as a whole, we could say the East division, at least in the early part of the season, this goes into your prediction that we were going to have the East crossover this year, is they seem to sign a lot of top-tier free agents this offseason. I mean, we looked at the running backs 
uh, for example, out east, uh, where we were going to have, you know, William Stanback, Andrew Harris, William Powell, uh, you know, Don Jackson had a great finish to the year, the year before. And, you know, a ton of free agents. Ottawa got a lot better. Seemed like Hamilton made some moves. Toronto brought in some big pieces to help their team. And then what was the record early in the season? Was it like one, like they had what, one or two wins in the first three, four weeks of the year against the West? Uh, it really didn't pan out for the East this year. So I don't know, uh, Mike, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on this? Uh, every year we seem to say this is going to be the year the East division finally gets gets better. But You know what, Ryan? You and I had this conversation because we were talking about something else. And I think you mentioned this in the Discord chat. There's only a certain number of free agents that can go to the West, certain half go to the East. At some point, the balance of power has to shift or at least not be like a slanted teeter-totter up and down, uh, slanted in, in, in the favor of the West Division. But if you want to add letdowns, it's the Edmonton Elks and the Ottawa Red Blacks trying their very best not to help each other win at home. Like, boys, you had one job. You could meet in the middle and say, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs, but you're going to get your win at home, and then we're going to get our win at home, and we'll call it a day. Good? Yeah. It's just... To me, it absolutely defies logic that Edmonton did not win at home. That is just remarkable. And and you know what? We shouldn't even be laughing. Um, we shouldn't even be laughing, to be entirely honest. Because I remember when a certain stadium opened at the U of Manitoba. The Bombers couldn't buy a win in that place for years. But I tell you, they never went winless. They never went winless in a year. It, it's 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 just remarkable that visiting teams in a home winning driven lead were able to win in those type of buildings. It's almost like home field doesn't matter, eh, Mike? Oh, I know where that's coming from. But anyway. Okay, I was going to, real quick on this, do you think the salary cap maybe is a bigger penalty on the Eastern teams because of cost of living in Southern Ontario and Quebec? So if you're starting quarterbacks making half a million, no matter where he is, but he's paying way more money to live in Southern Ontario, why would he do that? He should go live in Saskatchewan where he could probably live on Adam's farm for, you know, 500 bucks a month. But isn't BC pretty expensive cost of living okay. too? So. BC is the exception, but then BC has been one of the teams that have trouble getting some people there sometimes, but I don't know. I, I mean, if you look at it, Saskatchewan and uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, I feel like they're definitely, uh, you know, definitely a little cheaper to live, right? So, I mean, we see this in other sports too, like a big attraction for players coming to Tampa Bay or Florida in the NHL is the, the mm -hmm. state taxes mm -hmm. situation down there, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that definitely plays into it uh, when you have a salary cap and you can only spend so much and a lot of the costs are different in a lot of these cities. That does impact things a little. But here's the interesting thing, right? Every team, no matter where you are in every professional sport, has obstacles about their city. 
Winnipeg, apparently to the San Jose Sharks in the NHL. No Wi-Fi. It's cold and dark. You see it's the past 11. I, I, I don't know. It's See, I don't buy into that because because these guys only live here eight months a year and they play half the games on the road, right? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah but not to stray too far away from that. I just don't know how you fix that issue. You can't. You can't. The only way you could conceivably fix the issue is using that money, money, influx of money when the CFL is not a date-driven and TV-driven lead and you have other revenue opportunities like the NFL does. But maybe the CFL helps subsidize some of the cost of living. But that might be getting a little bit too far. Um, but again, I, I just don't know what to do. Because if I'm a player and I can make a hundred grand, but in Toronto, I'm a family of four and I take home fifty grand but I can live in Winnipeg for the same amount of money and bring home eighty grand just spitballing a number to me out there. I don't know what it is, but just for the sake of my example, that's what it'll be. Where would you rather live? Sorry, I'm sure my family of four could use the extra thirty grand. Sorry to the teams out east. Every market and every professional sports team has a disadvantage. Do you just they? gotta hmm. do what's best for you, I guess. Hmm. And that's the first time I've actually heard that cost of living being a very valid excuse for. Uh, I'll say it is more in the CFL. I'll say it is more in the CFL when you're not get when you're getting paid sixty to a hundred some thousand. That's different than making fifty million. Then you don't really care, right? Mahomes is going to live in LA no matter what yeah. in the off season, right? Same with LeBron; they're going to live where they want to live when they make that kind of money. Yeah. But to to the average guy like Dalton Schoen, rookie of the year, don't you think of it or his his base salary of seventy thousand? Well, that went a lot farther living in Winnipeg than it would have been Toronto. Correct, and then that's too. And and Richard, I have family in British Columbia. I had a family wedding in the mountains. It is the most beautiful place that I, I could possibly describe as somebody coming from the prairies and going to the mountains and the mountain people coming to the prairies. It's just mesmerizing. And really, I don't believe that there is an easy fix to that. Whether it sways the balance of power I'm not so sure because, well, there is a myriad of reasons, but we might not even be privy to. And and sometimes it's just fate, right? Like it's just fate for the Elks and the uh, the Red Blacks to lose at home. It's just fate at this point for the East Division uh, to somehow, you know, not not be the dominant division. And uh, we'll see what the, whether the things that happen this off season. Uh, affect that and so let's let's move ahead and take a look now you know we've talked about everything the good bad uh, the surprising the disappointing from the 2022 season we got the off season coming up here guys and uh the off season is always an interesting time in the cfl so 
Uh, I want to know what are the major things each of you have your eyes on this year? Uh, Trey, what do you think? I'm going to take what Adam said in our little group chat too. And this is my big worry. It's, it's the availability of players and coaching with all these spring leagues popping up. And uh, I don't know if the USFL is as big of a threat. I'm only worried about the XFL because it's the rock, right? If it like, if it was even when, um, mcmahon did it vince mcmahon did it it wasn't quite the same you know he had the star power to a degree but the rock is the number one paid actor in the world right now and you know so that's kind of my worry again and we're going to talk about salary i think they're all basing their whole teams out of one city i believe like even if you and you'll play your games in your home city but you're all based out of texas somewhere so again cost of living might be a thing so if a player can get I don't know, 80, 90, 100,000 in America, less tax or less taxes, if no taxes, less, uh, less cost of living. I wonder if there's even cheaper because the money is like, you're not doing international taxes. I don't know how that stuff works, right? Does the American player get taxed more because they're American working in Canada? All those things like that, right? You're not having that in the XFL. So that's my big worry there. Um, yeah, I do smell what he's cooking. I think because again, it's it's that annoying thing. My kid knows The Rock based off a couple movies in Fortnite, and my kid likes going to football games. But like, if I told him he could go to a football game where The Rock is, I think he'd pick that over the Bombers. You know what I mean? So that's my kind of worry. We're trying to get that young league or young age, and I think, yeah, I think maybe if we worked with the XFL a little bit more. It could have benefited us. Uh, but yeah, that's my big tear. It's it's those leagues and coaching caps are going to really screw teams over. And like I said, you're going to go to America. You're going to go to the XFL, your home state. It's it's a, a we, we want to talk about which city you would rather live in in Canada. But if you have the choice to live in your home state, you're probably picking that too. Nine times out of or 10 times out of 10 too, over going to a different country to play a different game. Right. So that's kind of my thing. Uh, Mike, what about you? Yeah, sorry. I, I'm going to go in a completely different direction here with off-season outlook. Uh, I, I'm looking at this as a as a bigger picture because we talked about uh, something else of what we're looking at in the media industry. I think what we really need to look at is what this next schedule looks like. I I know Richard talked about it, and I think it was Richard that talked about it in the in the chat or somebody else. My apologies. Um, we need to get to a mechanism that the NFL is on Sundays, the CFL is on this day, this day, this day, this day, and we need to push our current television partners to make the game more accessible to a lot more people than just late in the season a TSN 1, a TSN 5. These games need to be national across the board with no restrictions. Uh, okay, sorry, it was Richard, okay. Um, but, no, it's um, it, it's one of those things where I really feel like the CFL could benefit from another TV partner just to keep TSN on their toes a little bit. Um, personally, again, I haven't spoken to anybody but I would anticipate in this next round of TV negotiations 
in Canada with TSN and Bell Media finds their way back into the national rights package for hockey. Um, I think in Canada, and again, I might be hypocritical here because I own a streaming platform that had the rights for one whole lead with nobody taking a certain part of the package understood, but these are apples to oranges and what, what we're dealing with. I really think that it would benefit from the lead for the lead to get another TV partner, not necessarily as competition, but to have better availability of dates and times for games. I think TSN's schedule is a little bit too crowded early in the fall. I think the CFL loses scope. I just don't know if that's a CBC or if that's a Sportsnet. And there's just better accessibility for games. Uh, because it's a great product. But if only half of Canada sees a certain game, because most cable packages only have one TSN channel. And I know a lot of people that were bummed out here about TSN3 only being in their standard package and missing out on a on a large number of games because of the way it was all scheduled. There's got to be a better way to do it. And what I'm clamoring for, I guess, is a more balanced schedule where you see everybody a certain amount of times plus your division rivals. Um, but again, it, it's... Fighters can't be choosers, but you've got to have consistent game times. Okay, we're going to play on Friday night. You made that a staple. We're going to play on Thursday night. That's a staple. You need consistent times, much like everybody knows when the NFL is on. And get away from NFL. I know I say it all the time. I love this Saturday. You have to find a way to get away. But, again, I think a lot of that can be fit with a TV partner that can be equally as invested. I know a lot of folks at TSN, let me be clear, they've done a great job promoting the lead, but I think to have more media partners talking about the lead benefits everybody. Why did ESPN have so, have so much success? Because they're yapping about their sports properties when there's not a game on. Everybody's talking about, oh, Mondays, if you watch... ESPN programming, it's all about the Sunday NFL, all about the Saturday college football. CFL doesn't have that. We had the division finals coming on, and it took 25 minutes on TSN Sports Center to see a story about it. The CFL needs to find a way to be front and center. I'm not sure if that's a new TV partner, if that's. Now, of course, TSN. TSN and the CFL will always say, the CFL will always say, we have a great relationship with TSN. But at some point, your product has to be put front and center. And whether that's on TSN or not, it's not my decision to make. But it shouldn't take 35 minutes or 40 minutes for a CFL story to show up on SportsCenter, especially as a premier property on TSN. Throw in a bid, Mike, for game time. Hmm? Throw a bid in at game time for it, man. No, no, sorry, <laughs> not gonna happen. You can't, you can't beat the TSN's fifty million, man, or whatever it is. Correct. 
But, but oh, man. It, it's exactly what Adam just said. You've got to have a partner that's super excited about the CFL. I, I think that's gone down the list of priorities for TSN, especially later in the season. I hope I'm wrong. The diehards in me love it. It just shouldn't take 40 minutes for a story to show up on SportsCenter. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you on that one. Uh, and you talked a little about the scheduling there, and I think there are improvements to be made uh, on the schedule. We're doing Saturday playoff games next year. That's one uh, that I've been advocating for for a while, so I'm excited about that. Let's get rid of the Saturday triple headers. You know, that they're fun for the diehard fan of a team that's on the road, I would say, as uh, somebody, you know, if you're a team that's at home and you're going to that middle game, okay, well, you're missing half the, the first game, you're missing half the last game while you're commuting to and from the stadium. Uh, and I really don't think nine straight hours of CFL is the way to bring in a new fan necessarily right like somebody who's not really into the league is not going to show up on a saturday turn on tsn and say yeah i'm going to sit here for the next nine hours and watch this i think you benefit more from spreading it out to different nights you know having the friday nights having the saturday nights on the schedule there and i also don't love the divisional end of season have every game be against your division for the most part because then we end up in these scenarios where you're playing the same team three times in four weeks or four times in five weeks at the end of the year including the playoffs and you get in a weird situation like you had with winnipeg and bc this year where okay two of their three games were at the end of the season and winnipeg's resting starters basically for both of them and bc's resting starters for one like I get what you're going for, these division rivalries, and you're hoping it's going to lead to things with the teams that are fighting for the playoff spots and some juiciness there. But I think more often than not, it kind of, I don't know, to me it takes the wind out of the sails of a playoff matchup a little bit when we've literally seen this matchup, you know, for the last month. Trey? Yeah, I'll agree with the schedule. Um, I think the 10th team will fix all that, especially if it's a complete balanced one and you only play each team twice, then you shouldn't have that as much. Um, And you could get rid of a bye. There's a lot of things. The only thing I'm going to disagree with with your triple headers, and I see what you're saying, because I don't know if I could honestly have said I've watched a full triple header because the Bombers, well, no, the Bombers never really had one. But my point is, is that not what a billion people across the world do every Sunday? sit and watch NFL for nine hours and the people that have home games there, they end up missing the game before and after because of transit. Right. So I see what you're saying. And maybe that again, is because that, and maybe that's because it's a TV driven league more than the gate, but the diehard fans are going to go to the gate no matter what, really. They're not going to be like, Oh, let's stay home and watch nine hours instead of going to the game. Right. I don't think any fan would do that. So I don't know why it would hurt anybody. The, triple header and my worry is my worry is you get you have to get rid of thursday night after labor day right um if you're not going on sundays you're not gonna have a thursday nighter on the same day as the nfl does so can you always schedule two teams or two games on friday is my other issue yeah it come and there's a lot of scheduling logistics yeah right? uh, like you would have to have a home game every friday like at 9.30 or 10, right? And they're going to have to have some Eastern team pretty much do it to make it work otherwise. So, and then if you throw the 10th team in, you're having five games every week, not four. So where are you putting that fifth game? 
Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. Very fair argument. I see where you're coming yeah. from with so that as well. That's because if if you can only fit one game in on a Friday, you're gonna have a quadruple header on some Saturdays when the schooners come out. If they do right, because where else are you gonna put it? Unless you go on Sunday or Thursday to compete with the NFL. Brandon says, give me CFL red zone. I'd watch for a few hours like I do. I love NFL red zone. Is somebody newly into the NFL this year and playing fantasy? NFL red zone is the ideal way to watch sports. I don't have to sit and watch a commercial. I can just see my fantasy players racking up touchdowns, um, which is the, a great way to watch the game. I don't know if it works in the CFL with only four to five games a week, right? Like, the CFL benefits in a way where the NFL doesn't, where I can't sit and watch all 16 or whatever it is NFL games in a weekend because so many of them have to overlap, where the CFL has found ways that I can pretty much watch every CFL game in a week if I have nothing else up to do. And I think that's a benefit of it. And yeah, maybe sometimes you need those triple headers in there, I guess, to make that work logistically. You make some good points there, Trey. Uh, it's a lot of football straight in a row where sometimes you might miss some of it if, you, if you're if you at one of the games, which sucks if you do want to watch it all and you can't because of that. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know how many people are, are tuning in for the first time and jumping into nine hours. But like you say, a lot of people do that with the NFL. So maybe there are people out there with the CFL. The one other thing I wanted, that I'm really looking at here for the offseason outlook is – Free agency is going to hit in February, and I'm hoping we're going to be able to do something here on the podcast again. Uh, nothing confirmed at this point, uh, nothing planned yet, uh, but I'm hoping we can do something for free agency because it's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, and there is so much that happens. It's such a busy week in the CFL. I wonder how busy it's going to be after this year because we started to see some of those three-year contracts. We started to see some of those guaranteed contracts. I wonder what the contracts are going to look like this offseason. Are we going to start to see more guys buy in longer term with their teams because they're getting the guarantee that they're going to get paid certain amounts of their contracts? And what's that going to affect? Uh, you know, is somebody willing to take a cheaper deal for some of that guaranteed money three years from now to stay with the same team they're, be they're with? Or are guys still going to go out chasing the bigger paychecks elsewhere around the CFL? I'm really excited to see how that plays into things because I think this is going to be a unique offseason unlike other ones we've seen recently where I don't really know how things are going to play out. I mean, generally you never do, but you have some expectations and we have some, you know, the quarterback carousel where things are going to go this year. But uh, I want to see what these guaranteed contracts do for it. Uh, Mike, what do you think uh, on the how things could play out free agency this year? Are you expecting a busy year again? I am, but I'm also, I'm hesitant. I love the idea of two to three year contracts. I also love the idea of CFL free agent frenzy, for lack of a better term, where everybody becomes a free agent. It's fair game. Um, but I understand you also need to be like the NHL and the other leagues where how can you expect fans to buy jerseys if these players might only be around for a year, right? And if you look at the jerseys in the bomber store, 
that it dies, but are probably guaranteed to be around for a while. I just think if you want to increase the revenue in the lead, part of it needs to be consistency of player A going to be here for the next number of years. Fair. But I also think there's some... There's also that element of the frenzy that comes of so many people going to new places. But in the in hindsight, right, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but we saw a lot of players, was it last year or the year before, resign with their current teams more so than going to new teams. It was just a lot of one-year deals. Um, I'm curious. I'm torn between the the long-term contracts versus the... uh, Part of me also likes the flexibility um, in the event of a player injury and how that all works. And, you know, I understand certain players need to be in place for more than one year. Just not everybody, because that's going to take away a lot of the drama in February, and I kind of like both. Yeah, so my point question here, um, I don't know if you guys know understand this, but like what, so we were talking about Dalton Schoen probably has like a two-year contract or something, or, or when someone signs a two-year contract, or even mid-season, what legally stops an American from saying, screw this, I'm going to the NFL? Like, what legally stops him? I think their contract during season, I don't think they can just leave to go do so. But I'm saying, what, what are they, what's going to happen to them? I guess they can't come back to the okay. same okay. contract. Well, I, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that either. Yeah, that's my question. Because, like, I'm like, if, if I'm a guy like, you know, if an NFL team came to Dalton's show, let's say, and said, hey, we'll give you a contract now, you know what I mean? Like, what literally would legit stop him, right? You know what I mean? Like, he it, it, maybe he ruins the re- reputation with the Bombers and the CFL a bit, but at the same time, how many times do you guys get drafted or sign contracts and then never show up to free agency or opening camp, right? You know, I, I, I that's my only one question is what really stops you? Unless there's a thing where the team can find them or something for breaching a contract, right? Like, I don't if, know. If, if you're no longer in the league, if you're not going to show up, what are, they, what are you going to do? They're not. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting. Yeah, because I cannot like contracts are interesting because they're somewhat binding, but they're not overly legally binding. Like at at any time, you could be like, "No, I'm not playing anymore." You just don't get paid anymore, right? Like that's that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah, like Adam's saying in the chat, I think the team could take legal action against the player if he if he the way the contracts are built in the CFL. I I think like. The team can cut him loose at any time. I know we've seen players that are like, no, I want to go to the NFL or something like that. And they weren't able to uh, because they were bound to their CFL contracts and what the repercussions are. Yeah, good question. Very interesting question. Those guys aren't going, you're not going to jail. And I wonder about the going to court because if, again, if they're an American player, what legal, can a Canadian court go and sue or do we have an American branch of the CFL? Like, like I just, it, it's a, probably a few hours of legal talk here, but that was always my question was I could sign a contract with you guys saying I'm doing the show for three years and I could just say, screw you guys. I'm not coming in tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could sue me, but like, 
<laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> no, the legal fees will be far more than. So I don't know. It's just, that's I might that. So that's my point there with that. And I had a one side point to it, but now I'm blanking. So we'll just move on. Yeah, very interesting case would be Brandon Zilstra and the Elks. Yeah, he was, I think he wanted to go to the Elks or he wanted to go to the NFL, uh, but he was stuck. The Elks basically wouldn't let him go from his contract. So I, I think there's there's legal things in there that uh, we just don't have the knowledge of. And if, uh, you know, there is any, I just, are any lawyers watching, listening? Um, it's, it's interesting because there's NBA players that just say, I'm not playing. And, and Mike has just, just sent a message to every single uh, let's go Michigan. Okay. Let's go Michigan. Yeah, lots like, of talk right. about college football here, I believe, in the chat. And there's always contract holdouts too, right? And we see in the NFL where or in any league where guys hold out half a year because they don't want to play. So I mean, it's just it's again, it's just something that came to my mind today where I'm like, if I'm Dalton Show, what literally stopped me in August from saying, No, I'm playing in an American team if he got calls. I guess one thing you could say is you're probably tarnishing your reputation if that NFL shot doesn't work no, out. Like, fair. what team's going to take a chance on you not just dipping out uh, a couple games in again? If- that must be enough. That honestly must be enough because I don't really see much else. Like, again, the CFL is not like what legal action. Like, yeah. are they, you know what I mean? Like, and like Buck says, I'm sure an NFL team could just buy it out. Cause I saw that today on an article like about a fee structure. And I'd, again, what's, why would the NFL ever do that? Why would the NFL want to be like, oh, we're going to pay to get your player. Just come play for us. Yeah. If we have any lawyers uh, listening to the podcast, send us a message on Twitter yeah. at CF Countdown Pod. Let us know uh, if you have any insight in this because uh, it's a very intriguing question. I know they they do have the NFL option window in the offseason here where they can go try out for teams even if they're still under contract for the CFL. Uh, I assume there's something there legally binding, but I'm not sure how that works during the season. But uh, certainly the NFL of it all plays into a lot of the contract talks too, right? And it plays into a lot of the decisions the teams have to make. Like, what does BC do this offseason? Because you don't know if Nathan Rourke's coming back, or for example. And a lot of teams have to make those decisions, which are things we're going to watch uh, going forward here in the offseason as well. Any final thoughts on as we wrap up 2022 here? You had a, you said you had a point, Trey. Was it uh, was it the contract thing we were just talking about? Yeah, yeah, it was that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Anything else, you guys, or we want to wrap it up? I just have one thing quickly. Um, I hope this isn't getting too far in the weeds. I didn't talk to Ryan about this prior to the show, but I just wanted to. Um, Thank everybody for tuning in to our show on uh, Grey Cup Sunday, the immediate reaction. Uh, we got some nice comments about it. Um, it just means a lot to have everybody interacting with us on a weekly basis, uh, the regulars and the new people, uh, even though we can agree to disagree at times. Best uh, Canadian podcast football podcast community and people listening to our show and other shows and bouncing back and forth uh i don't know it means a lot to me um it knows that to know that we have an hour and a half sometimes more of people's times twice a week 
And you guys come back week after week after week. Tells me that we're doing something right. And that this is a... Um, it's a market that is quite honestly starving for year-long, week-long CFO coverage. So, in short, grateful for everybody that tuned in uh, on our Great Cup recap show and throughout the season. And I hope that you guys will keep in touch with us uh, throughout the off-season because we like to hear from our regulars, whether you're a regular, whether you're a newbie, uh, we have regulars that tune us in every week. And, you know, that plot certainly isn't lost on me, uh, how thankful I am, especially uh, running the streaming company, uh, Game Time. It's always rewarding to have your loyal fan base, so to say just like all of us are loyal to our CFL uh, teams. We're also loyal to supporting CFL podcasts such as this one. And I just want people to know that that support means a lot to me because it is, it is the, you could be doing something completely different with your time. And yet you choose to listen to the different uh, podcasts, which it means a lot to me in short. So, yes, I am emotional, but this is the last scheduled show. Um, also, I know I'm hijacking time here, but I also want to mention, uh, too, uh, the first year that we've had Trey and Adam on, um, Ryan and I had this discussion almost about a year ago, what we're going to do about this. Um I can reveal now that it, I almost left this podcast, almost, until this little compromise was, not compromise, but this idea was thrown around to bring in co-hosts and the application process. To be honest, Ryan and I were talking, we had no idea what to expect, and I can honestly say from my perspective, Trey, as much as you and I disagree, uh, as much as you chose to disagree with me last week, I am so happy to have met you. Adam, same thing. Um, you know, you guys have brought more to this show than than I could ever have dreamt of. Uh, you know, you set, you set expectations of what you think is going to happen. I can honestly say sitting here every week, as much as it is a chore and the busy lives, the three of you, and I'll even throw Ryan in on this, when all of us are together, it's such, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very gratifying to be able to do this with a small group of people. There it is. I'm done before I start crying. I'm just. I'm very thankful tonight. That's all I got to say. How am I supposed to wrap up the podcast now, Mike, after all that? <laughs> and, Mike, you gained a new play-by-play, right, out of all this, too? Yeah, sure. Contract is still there. <laughs> I'll see you on the weekend.
Uh, Adam says, I got to stop cooking onions at this time of night. Uh, Richard sums it up well. I love differences of opinion. It expands my perspective. And I love that we can respect each other's points of view. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, that's a large part of the sea of this is difference of opinions. If we all agreed on everything all the time, it would be a pretty boring podcast, I think. So I hope we've kept it interesting here all season long. Yeah, Mikey took a lot of the words out of my mouth. Uh, obviously, super happy to have Trey and Adam on board. You guys are great friends of ours, uh, especially of mine, I would say, at this point in time. Uh, who knew that uh, back in May, you know, uh, when we put out that application form that we'd make new friends and we'd have such a great season here and everything. And uh, you mentioned the Great Cup show. I crunched some numbers. Uh, it was our, uh, it smashed our listenership uh, records for the regular season. So thank you to everybody who tuned in for that. And I also crunched some further numbers on this year. It has been a, an amazing year on the podcast as we wrap up for the 2022 season, including the season preview shows, 50 plus episodes, over 82 hours of content. We had uh, over 7,000 downloads on Podbean. We had over 2,500 views on YouTube. We couldn't have asked for a better year. All of the great people joining us in the chat all season long. Uh, when Mike and I started this podcast eight years ago, I don't think we ever imagined it would get quite to the point where we are here today. Uh, so obviously super excited about another uh, wonderful season here. And stay tuned and join us throughout the offseason and into next year. And I'm sure we'll have some more fun things uh to come here going forward as well what's coming up on the podcast we don't really know right now to be honest because as exciting and as productive of a year as it's been it's been a tiring year i think we would all agree uh you know 82 hours of content i, I think we all need a bit of a break uh yeah richard says don't forget about squishy official mascot of the podcast certainly can't um Oh, I think Trey's getting them right now. There we go. So, uh, yeah, we, we're not quite sure what's coming up next. I think we are going to basically take a break probably for December unless any big news comes out that makes us want to jump on the podcast. You know, January, we'll see what that brings as well. Hoping to have uh, a free agency show in February and then some more content throughout the offseason as well. But make sure uh, you follow us over on social media if you want to stay in touch with us and keep uh, following along in the offseason. You can find the podcast on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod there as well. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, Trey, any final thoughts from you and uh, where can people find you uh, over the next couple months? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. I still have the blue check mark. Uh, Elon didn't take that away from me yet. Uh, yeah, and I, I mirror your guys' sentiments. Like, um, I kind of just signed up as a goof, not expecting a reply. I, you know, I might have been high out of my mind when I did it. I have the job now, so I think I can say that. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's been a blast. Eighty-two hours, holy crap! And and. Uh, yeah, I you know I can respect your opinions, but Mike is still wrong. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's been a great time. So yeah, on Twitter I'll still be doing horse racing stuff. It's the quiet time of the year. If you don't hear from me a lot over the next few weeks, it's that end of the semester, so I might be hey, studying. Yes, Mike. I'll jump in here quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I said 
10 to 12 bombers have their contract yeah. agreed to. That's fine. I two. think it's a big mistake. I think I'm that's a big go, mistake. I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this. Yeah. Clip I it. I want everybody to remember this. I stand yeah. by it. I'll say it right here, right now. We're not Clip getting it. into this in the, in the fight. I've contract signed. No, no. Clip, clip. That might be 100% true, Mike. Mike, that might be 100% true, but it's going to be the worst thing ever because of what I've been talking about in the group chat. Clip it. 7 and 11 bombers this time next year after the end of the regular season. So they're going to have to go to 7 11 to get slurpees, man. That's the only thing they'll be good for next year. 7 11. Okay, let's just wrap up, man. This is so bad. We're not restarting this argument an hour and 35 minutes into the final podcast of the year. Oh, I'm dead. Um, I'm dead. I just <laughs> laid my point out there again so everybody can see how either how right I am or how wrong I am. And that's time we're on the podcast. Uh, Richard makes a good point. We're assuming Elon isn't going to get, uh, isn't going to shut Twitter down. Yeah, I am. Uh, I've been doing some thinking, and I'm working on some possible other other what things uh, to come uh, later on in the uh, for the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. Hopefully on Twitter or follow on Facebook uh, also to uh, get that info whenever it comes out, and you'll be able to stay tuned whenever we have shows coming up. Also subscribe over on YouTube because every time we plan to do these live streams, I schedule it either the day before or the morning of, and then you show, get it showing up in your little YouTube feed and you can see it coming there. So if you haven't already, go over to YouTube, make sure you uh, subscribe there to see when our shows come over the off season. Uh, Trey, you mentioned where you, people can find you on social media, I think. Uh, Mike, uh, how about you? Where can people find you? People to find me on Twitter at Mike Daryl. That's M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L. Just as you see on your screen there, you can also find me Game Time TV. Watch Game Time TV. Ca. Doing my first ever event slash tournament in the history of the network this weekend. So very very excited. Is that what I'm doing? Or what am I doing? You got to text me, man. You never told me what I'm doing. I will. I just got to confirm tonight. So patient. Yeah, patient. Is that some of your sources need to text you first? Is that what it is? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm wrapping this up. Uh, let's get out of here. You can find Adam on Twitter at AdamStewart1 as well if you want to chat with him anytime. Of course, he's been a huge part of the podcast this year as well. Couldn't make it tonight on, on the microphones, but he's been in the live chat with everybody as well. So we appreciate that. Uh, at AdamStewart1 on Twitter there for him. You can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. It starts with a K if you want to chat with me throughout the offseason there as well. Uh, and as we've been saying for the past uh, however many minutes now, thank you so much for tuning in all season long uh, and joining us here on this wild journey of CFL podcasting. Look forward to the off-season shows. Look forward to what's to come next season. And uh, we always appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. For the final official scheduled time of the 2022 CFL season, I'm Ryan Coop saying, on behalf of Michael Garrell, Trey Kolbeck, and Adam Stewart saying thank you for tuning in. Have a good one. Bye.